against him, and especially it was New York. Pac was killed, right, September 6, 1996. And he's part of a group we call the Infamous 27 Club, man. From Mac Miller to Amy Winehouse to Jim Jimi Hendrix, the list goes on and on. These are all famous people who did not make it to B27. Some of the craziest things is the day of his death, right, on September uh, 26, September 6, 1996, he was actually in a car listening to It Was Written by Nas. Nas was actually coming to Vegas to perform and he was going to meet up with Pac and they were going to have a whole conversation on the day of his death after the Mike Tyson fight. Nas performed during that day in the area. The craziest thing is like you listen to Death Row East by Nas when he breaks down his story that Pac, the day of his death, right, was listening to Nas' album and Nas was coming to, 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 uh, to, to Vegas to squash the beef. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, J16, man. We're here to have a really good episode. We're going to be talking about one of the most prolific rappers of all time, man. I really fuck with this dude, yo. Um, everything from his first album to Apocalypse Now to, to his... He's, he's one of those people that his storyline has so many dynamic features to him. And to me, he's definitely one of the most prolific rappers of all time and who I'm talking about is your boy Tupac Shakur. Look, I just finished watching this documentary um that the Hughes brothers put out about Tupac's life called Dear Mama on Hulu and I only thought it would be right for me to break down 10 interesting facts about Tupac that you might have learned on the documentary or might have never even known. Um, Tupac is one of them dudes, yo, um, on a documentary, it was cool, um, Shock G says something about Tupac that it always stuck to me. Basically, Tupac didn't want to be another KRS-One or another Chuck D or Martin Luther King, basically, you know, somebody who was already preaching to the converted, like preaching to the choir. His audience that he was always trying to talk to were the people who didn't know anything about the history who didn't even know how to read, they were so stuck into the streets that that's all they focused on. They were the generation after crack. He, on a documentary, he was saying um, something really cool about the generation prior to him, he called him BC, like before crack. And that was the generation that I kind of agree and disagree with him on two sides. Um, it, he was saying that there was a generation who didn't do enough to push the plight of the black people forward kind of, I feel like every generation has their own things they do to try to push us forward, and every time we get a little closer, something happens and they take us out, or they put us in jail, or it could be tons of things. I don't, I think there's a lot of introspectives to that way of thinking, but one thing I did really bang with Pac is that he was always focused on pushing the plight of the black people forward. Um, he was born a leader, right? His mom was a panther, his dad was a panther. Cool things about both of them, right? His aunt, um, godfather, everybody. He came from a family of revolutionists and leaders. The whole family was leaders. Um, the coolest thing about it is, like, he was already jailed a revolutionist, right? His mom was in prison when she was giving birth. She wasn't giving. She had him while she was in prison, and she had once she got out, he was born. But he was already being born in a womb with inside prison. So it was only right that he would be who he is. And one thing his mom said was. 
she had tons of miscarriages before she had him, right? So the wild thing is she already felt that because he came into this earth, he was bound to do something. Um, and he did that, right? Tupac did so many dope things for us that it's, you, it's, you could put out a laundry list of the things that he did that even to this day, I'm like amazed hearing new stories about this dude. It was, he's just such a, such a, such a dynamic character. Um, honestly, my favorite song of all time is a, a song by him. It's, it's called Changes. Um, when he breaks it down, like, changes. Like, I wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor. If it works, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Like, that was Tupac in a nutshell. When you hear that song, you just know, like, his whole dynamics of who he was was all put out within that song itself. So, it's so many. I can go on and on, man, because I just, I really, really am amazed and inspired by this guy. Um, one thing I will say, right, before we even get started on this list is that I always think about Tupac on two different levels, right? Tupac was an actor. Tupac was an artist. Tupac was a, a historian. Tupac was a political figure. He was an intelligent. He everything. He was so dynamically put together as an individual. Um, I'm gonna be doing another podcast where I break down visionaries, and he's one, on my list as the top five hip hop visionaries of all time. And I'm gonna be breaking down how all of these rappers intertwine with each other, from like Kanye to like Nipsey to Pac. You can keep going on and on, but I just want you to think about that before we get started, right? So here we go, man. The 10 interesting facts that you may learn from the documentary or you may not know about Tupac. Number one, Tupac's name itself was named after the Inca tribe, right? It's multiple Tupac Amores. His mother named him after that Inca tribe because she wanted to people to un he, she wanted Tupac to understand that the African Americans were not the only ones going through this. Each one of those Tupac Amores was a revolutionary from Peru that got killed. And every time one of those revolutionaries got killed, they named the next one Tupac Amori to keep the name going on. His mother was going through one of the biggest things that she ever went through in her life when she was um, in prison for a, a, a 21 Black Panthers case that was against her. And she knew that it, the baby that she was holding would be, if as she goes through this, would be somebody can get through things in life. So she made sure she named him Tupac Amori. Another dope fact about Tupac, right? Tupac's mother was a panther and his father was a panther. So he was born to be a leader, right? You think anything of it. Before he even became a rapper, you learn like he was going to be the leader of the new African Black Panther Party. His mindset was a revolutionist from the day one. Um, his mother, on the other hand, she was already a, um, a Feeney. She was already part of the largest case in New York's history with the Panther 21. It was the longest and the most expensive case of all time in the New York history, where they basically were saying that the Panthers, did a, they were plotting to blow up like subway systems and things of that nature. While she was on trial, she had no history of being a lawyer she, or anything of that nature. She represented herself. She was so prolific as at representing herself, she would go around the country and preach what was happening to the Black Panthers as this was happening to her during this time. On the other hand, that's his mother and his father, right? Now, Tupac's godmother and Tupac's godfather were also a prevalent 
uh, revolutionaries in Black Panthers. His godfather was Geronimo Pratt, man, one of the dopest Panthers of all time. This dude had Purple Hearts and all types of um, awards, and he was training the Black Panthers in a way to fight against specific uh, like army mentality and ways to be structured because he had so much training from the military. Now, his godmother was Asada Shakur. The history and the storyline is Asada Shakur being charged with the case um, of murdering a police officer where they still haven't figured out, but she was charged. She went on a run and had one of the biggest manhunts along in history and ended up going out to Cuba um, and like breaking out of prison. It's such a long story. If you want to hear a dope song about it, go listen to a song for Asada by Common where he talks to her um, as she's in, in, in Cuba as a, for political asylum as a prisoner of war. So like, if you want to hear her story, and that was who his godmother was, right? So those are two, like, like those two things. Like, she, his mom being a panther has so much tied to it, and his godmother and his godfather both being um, Geronimo Pratt and Asada Shakur. Tupac started out with a group called 50 Niggas. Now, the coolest thing is about when you think about Pac, right? On his stomach, if you ever see a picture of him, he has 50 Niggas tattooed on it, right? And Niggas, in that sense, stuff for never ignorant getting goals accomplished. That was the group. And each one of these members he kept with him to, to the day he died. As time went on, they made that group more structured, and it came to be known as Thug Life, which was structured from his father, Matula Shakur, where he would learn the structuring of how to beat things. And his mentality was to structure this. So we had a way like the Panthers did, but because he was the voice talking to the voiceless, his mindset was to bring everybody from the, the, you know, the businessmen working on Wall Street, to, to the to poor and the slums of all around the country and around the world all together under this umbrella called Thug Life. And, and that was his mentality. But initially it started out as 50 niggas. Pac was us and we were Pac, man. Pac was a very charismatic, poetic, active renaissance man. You can just think about it. He had about six, six movies that during, that before his death. He had 11 out up to this date now. He has, a, I believe it's around um, 11 or 12 or 13 albums. He just was somebody who was so different when it came to producing and acting. He was a renaissance man. You think, think about it. But one thing about Tupac was he was so much, he would get so much into his role because as somebody who started in New York, right, born, then traveled to the School of Arts in Baltimore with his mom, and also went to, out to Marin City and graduated high school. So he went. He was raised in three different cities, on the West Coast and on the East Coast. Then he moved out to Atlanta. He was across the country. He, he interacted with p black people in the whole country. That's why so many people vibe with him and so many people were amazed by the things that Pac did. Some of the, one of the craziest things was, and this is where it gets to the concept of like his being born in New York, but then going against New York, Pac never thought that a black person would ever kill him, but or a black person would ever shoot him, I should say. And when he got shot in New York, right, it changed his perception. Two major things changed his perception as Pac. He got beat up by the cops. He got charged with a rape charge in New York, and he got charged, and he got shot in New York. And those two, and those three things were the things that changed his perception. But the whole New York incident really changed his perception. Now, 
a wild fact is during the time he was he was in New York and got set up in Qua Studios as he was in New York going through these uh going through all of these different cases he had around the country. While he was in New York, he was um he was uh playing Birdie in the movie Above the Rim. And he was also dealing with a rape charge where he was having all of this these crazy things happen. The dude Birdie that he was playing after was the was was a dude that was, you know, wildcat from out in this area and as he was playing this this actor, what the story is he was set up by the dude that he was actually acting as in the in the movie because that was the same dude that he got caught with the rape charge. So crazy story about that. So Pac's perception about New York always came to the fact that he got shot in New York and got charged with a rape charge in New York, that his attitude and mentality was everybody was against him, and especially it was New York. Pac was killed, right, September 6, 1996, and he's part of a group we call the Infamous 27 Club, man, from Mac Miller to Amy Winehouse to Jimi Hendrix, the list goes on and on. These are all... Famous people who did not make it to be 27. Some of the craziest things is the day of his death, right? On September uh, 26, September 6, 1996. He was actually in a car listening to it was written by Nas. Nas was actually coming to Vegas to perform and he was going to meet up with Pac and they were going to have a whole conversation on the day of his death after the Mike Tyson fight. Nas performed during that day in the area. The craziest thing is like you listen to Death Row East by Nas when he breaks down his story that Pac, the day of his death, right, was listening to Nas' album and Nas was coming to, 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 uh, to, to Vegas to squash the beef that they had, which was really no beef. The whole storyline about Pac meeting Nas in, I think, one of these parks out here, Central Park or one of those, and talking to him. And that was one of the things that Pac did for Nas, and they said it was a whole beef and things in the nation. Nas actually spoke on this, and it didn't even, it really didn't go down like that, but the whole concept was the tension between Nas, that Pac said, I got a song dissing all y'all, and it was actually bombed first on the Seven Day of uh Don Cluminati album. If you get a chance, go check it out. You'll hear where he's just dissing everybody. It's after hit him, hit him up. So, Pac was doing all of these things at the same time, and Nas was going out to Vegas to squash this beef that they had, but on the same day that he, was, he got killed in Vegas, and, and um, Pac was actually listening to his album. So that's a crazy, crazy story about those two. Secondly is, they said Pac's final words is, fuck you. Now, that's why. <laughs> like, when I heard that, I was like, yo, Pac really said that? That is a death, but that shows you who Pac is in, in a nutshell. Now... On some different, on a, really on a different level, is the amount of albums that Pac put out during his time was around, um, I think he put out 11 albums. So when he put out these 11 albums, the crazy thing about 1996 is the year of his death is the late in the fall, he just got out of jail. He got bailed out by Shug. He signs to death row that fall of 1995. Then that same fall of 1995 is also the same time that the whole infamous Source Awards where Snoop gets on the stage and said, the East Coast thing I love for Dr. Dre and Snoop. So there was tension happening from that point. Uh, and no, 
and later on, Pockets out, bailed out by Shug. His whole mindset is different. The first song he makes when he gets out is California Love. And he when he raps that line on this shit, right? Talk at fresh out of jail on bail, California dreaming. He says that line. He's so happy to be out. And he's so like, I'm only on Cali. Cali bailed me out and I can't really beg with New York. Now 1996 comes, right? All Eyes on Me drops. The album to this day goes 10 times platinum. Double disc album. One of the hardest double disc albums of all time. Later in that year, he gets killed in September and he drops another album, which is the Doc Illuminati Machiavelli Seven Day Theory album. And that album goes four times platinum. He drops multi-platinum. Three, right? Well, one was a double disc and the other was a, a full album. He drops three of these albums in one year. And they all go multi-platinum. He dies the same year, man. Pac was at the different level as an MC, man. If you really check it out, you got to really understand that him, him as an individual. So I think we on like um, number eight now, right? I give him, give him facts and I ain't give you all the numbers. But um, number eight, right, was on a Don Columinati album, Seven Day Event, Seven Day Theory. He has a song called Hell Marriage. It's probably one of the most popular songs that Pac ever created. Pac writes that album, writes that song in 15 minutes, minutes in massive in an hour, right? Beat, everything is done in an hour. That's how good of a rapper this dude was. Also in that day, he writes multiple songs that go on multiple albums. And to this day, right, when Hurt Me Bad, who was the dude that produced the beat, talked about it, he said Pac was at a different level at that time. He was producing songs back to back. And when we put out Hail Mary, he didn't even expect it to be a banger, but that turned out to be the best song on that album, man. You could, If you haven't heard Hail Mary, you know. But if you have... Definitely get a chance to check it out, right? Um, number number nine. Yo, more music from Pac has been released since the day of his death than he, when he was alive. I mean, Pac only dropped four albums. Since he's been dead, seven albums have came out. And he's sold over 75 million records worldwide. This dude's voice has transpired across the whole world. One of the biggest people that Pac was influenced by as an artist was not even an artist. It was actually a poet. And he says it when you read his, his book, his book of poems was that Pac's thought of William Shakespeare, right, as one of the craziest gangsters of all time. And this is who he got inspired when he would write poems. This dude was a poet first and then would put those poems to beats, which would get back to the whole concept of rhythm and poetry, right? But... It's just, he just put songs to beats, right? And that's it, right? He was a pure poet. The last one is, Pac was a visionary. Pac's vision, he thought, could not be taught in school. Because the stuff he was seeing was stuff that wasn't taught in school. He couldn't, he talked about, I couldn't sell crack because I had so much empathy for my people. Right. The music he puts out was a voice for the people who didn't get a chance to grow up a certain way and didn't get a chance to vibe in certain areas. And this was the music that Pac put out for us to listen to. So as he put out this type of music and he believed that his vision wasn't something that was taught in school, the ironic part of it is that Pac's vision is taught in school. 
Hawk has been taught through so many different areas from Harvard to Yale to tons of different colleges, just the way he speaks and just the way he talks. Pac's another side of this, Pac is immortalized throughout the world, right? He has statues from Germany. He has statues in Atlanta. He has statues everywhere. Pac is probably one of those art, those hip hop figures that is immortalized on a level that we'll probably never see another rapper be immortalized to that ever again. Um, and that's it, man. Yo, if, the, if you really think about it, Pac in a nutshell was probably the most prolific rapper of all time. He has so many dynamics to him. They said he was intelligent on one hand and played stupid on the other hand. He was a charismatic, he was a leader. And some parts of that, I believe, is the reason that he's not here with us to this day. But overall, Pac, in a nutshell, was that man. Um, you get a chance, check out that documentary on his life. You'll hear about what his mother said, his aunt said, and tons of that nature. But don't get a chance to check out it. Check out some of his albums uh, from All Eyes on Me to uh, Hail Mary, Seven Day uh, Theory. No, to Seven Day uh, Theory, um, the Doc Illuminati album, to Tupacalypse Now, Me Against the World. You can just go on and on. Um, just get a chance to check out his music. Look, hope you enjoyed this episode where we broke down Pac, man. For more episodes, definitely check us out every week. I just had to definitely put an episode to get into the details of who Pac was to me and who Pac was. I hope you like this.